Hello, and welcome back to another episode of State of My Art Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Liorti. Thank you for joining me today. One thing that I have been really enjoying about doing these podcasts is it's really allowed me to learn more about other art forms and see how they apply and relate to my art form, music. So on today's episode, I talk with three very professional, very talented ballet dancers. Ben and Kelly Rabe are a ballet dancing couple. You may recognize the last name from the owner of the Sharp School of Music and Studio here, Noah Rabe. Noah sat beside us during this podcast and had a few questions of his own, as well as their good friend Preston Swovlin, who lives here in Southern California. So they got together and they were hanging out and they all came on the podcast. And it was really great to just uh, ask them a bunch of questions that they probably thought were ridiculous. Maybe you could learn something from this. If you're a dancer, I'm sure you can. But whatever art form you're in, see how it can relate to what you are doing and maybe apply some of their routines and mindsets to your own art. So let's get to it. My conversation with Ben and Kelly Rabe and Preston Swovlin happened on June 18th, 2021. All right, we're good to go. We're really doing it. Welcome to the State of My Art podcast. Ben and Kelly Rabe. Preston, forgot your last name already. Swovlin. Swovlin. Yep. I knew I would. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank Thanks. you guys for Thank being you. here. Yeah. You guys are into an art that I am completely unfamiliar with. The art of ballet. Yay. Dancers. Yeah, we uh, definitely aren't used to using our words to express our art so way different from you guys i mean same i'm not great with words uh i mean we sit around a pad and pen for half an hour to get like one line so um and then like speaking after shows and interviews I'm. I don't know why I have a podcast. To be honest, <laughs> I'm just trying to get better at it. That's we're my excuse like, for it. Training wheels. Yeah. We're all just like we're all just yeah, like working out. Makes perfect. Yeah, the exactly. best. Yes, yeah, the best way to get better at it is to just do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But you guys have done like radio interviews. You guys are pretty professional ballerinas is the term right sure. well i you can call me a ballerina okay i what would, would say professional male dancers yeah, what would you yeah. say well my answer is always ballet is kind of like everything that we do in ballet is like the terminology is in french and so as a male dancer you would just say in english we would say dancer but if in the french terminology it would just be dancer because it's French. So. But no one says that. But no one says that. <laughs> so they just call us dancers. Yeah. yeah. So we're dancers. Honestly, I'm just a professional dancer. Yeah. Too. So because ballet is a French genre, would you say, of dance? So yeah, like all the terminology is French. Um, it actually originated in Italy. Yeah. Originated okay. in Italy. And Russia and France are like the three main staples of ballet, where you yeah. learn about like ballet history, and then all the terminology for all the steps in ballet are French. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So when you're in a ballet class, when you're like learning, no matter what, from like you, Kelly started dancing when she was like two, and I didn't start dancing till I was like ten or eleven, and the progression of class and the way things are like the terminology that we use is all the same like it's always in french yeah. and you start with this like basic level of movement so you're basically learning a language yeah like with dance yeah movement right? yeah. A movement language i also. guess it's sort of similar to music in music yeah. theory everything is italian okay, um, yeah. i think there's a few german as well but uh i have i have noah sitting in the room with me he didn't want to be in the shop but he's our he's our tech today and our uh yeah. <laughs> he's he's going to be texting me questions he wants asked. He's our live stream audience. <laughs> I think you can add a pause. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what he's got here. How did you get into ballet, and when do you think? Um, when did you think I could do this for a living? That's that's a good one, Noah. Thank you. 
Preston. Oh Thank man. You. Okay. Ahead. When did I get into it? Um, my sister used to dance um, growing up, and I was always into sports and all these things. And my mom, um, I was doing a uh, taekwondo at the time. Okay. And I am the way I remember it is my mom didn't want to drive my sister to ballet and me to taekwondo all the time. So she convinced me one day. She said to me, "You know, Preston, you'll get better at uh, taekwondo if you do some ballet." Sure. It's like what? No way. Like I could, I could get better at this. So uh, she took me to dance, and then just slowly started weaning out the taekwondo and then she got her way not having to drive everywhere and I just kept dancing so interesting yeah that's how I got hooked and then it kept going from there I just I'd always play sports but I'd always dance at the same time and I don't know it just kept kept spiraling yeah in a good way so for a guy in ballet did you ever get especially playing sports like so you gotta go to your ballet class we were just talking about this we were just talking about this because well go ahead Preston it's great I uh, threw Till the very end of high school, no one outside of like my dance place knew I did ballet. I, I hid it from everyone. I played football. I was like on the swim team, all these different things, but sure. no one knew I did ballet just because I didn't want to deal with like immature kids that sure, yeah. would run to stereotypes and all this stuff. So I'd always live this like double life through all of high school. Yeah. it's kind of, So it was kind of your escape. Like, all right, yeah. I'm going to get away from Jockville. And, yeah, exactly. And work on this thing that I'm falling in love with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was my like my my other world. Well, like, to, yeah, simultaneously like building a career in your, you know, yeah. secret career. Yeah, exactly. Well, everyone else was aiming for just like, uh, you know, the college or whatever X, Y, Z, like I was aiming for like actual money, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And like similarly in hockey, hmm. a lot of, especially the Russian kids were told, hey, if you learn how to figure skate, you're going to be the best skater on the ice. And those kids had like the best balance and the best form and became the fastest. Um, So yeah, that kind of reminds me of that. And I would have never put those two together, but totally makes total sense. Yeah. One of my football friends, he found out very last year and senior year that I was uh, doing ballet and he was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. Like you've always made look football look so good. (laughs) (laughs) So graceful. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny segueing like, like hearing you talk about that. It's like, I, I always say that like when I met other male ballet dancers it was either that you started dancing ballet when you were like two and it's like what you always or dancing in general and that's what you did or you were a gymnast you were in martial arts or you were a swimmer those are like the body swimmer. types with which like most guys find ballet somehow so you were taekwondo and I was a gymnast I did gymnastics for like 10 years um, previously to starting dancing ballet. Okay. Um, and I was like heavily competitive. Like uh, went to Olympic training camp. <laughs> yeah. Like when I was 12, I was ranked fifth in the state of Pennsylvania overall. Oh, wow. Uh, 15th in the seven state region. So like Maryland, New York, Ohio, like all of that. Um, did some like almost like pre Olympic training camp type things. And then I started doing well. I was doing gymnastics six days a week for four hours a day Holy! as a 12-year-old. And uh, all the girls, like, I saw the girl gymnasts doing ballet. And I was like, why am I not doing that? Like, I need another thing to add to, like, my skills so, like, I can, like, bring my gymnastics up because I want to dominate. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, if, if that's going to help me dominate, then I'm going to do ballet. So I started doing ballet to help my gymnastics. And then, like, I realized, like, I found the art in it. I found, like, I could take my physicality and, like, I could put acting, like, I could put emotion to that side of my, like, physical, like, ability. Um Plus, so, there's a music element to it that oh, yeah. is not in gymnastics. Oh, too, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So that's another interesting thing because, like, female gymnastics, when they do, like, the floor routine or uh, sometimes even, like, the beam, like, that was, like, more, like, in the 90s, I feel like. They had, like, music that they would do it to. Uh, girls always have music for their floor routines still. But uh, guys' gymnastics isn't like that. Um, and then the music element with ballet, too, it just, like, that's kind of your voice. Like the music is your voice when it comes to dance. Like my body, like the way that I think of my movement and like my art form is like, uh, I should be projecting a physical representation of what the music is. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I, I started taking dance classes like 
two days a week when I was 11. Um, and that was on top of my six days a week, four hours of gymnastics um, a day. And then like when I turned 12, I was kind of like spent on gymnastics. I had already been doing it for 10 years and like I had all this pressure. Mm -hmm. I had already like been ranked and like, you know, did well in competition. And I just kind of was like, you know, tired. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm gonna hang up my hat. Especially at that age, when you get like too deep in the scene that you're in, it becomes like, man, I hate this scene, and I especially hate all the parents, and I just hate. I was like, definitely coming here every day. That at twelve. I was definitely. Yeah. Being, I was at hockey. I was being yeah. forced. I, it wasn't even forced. It was like the coaches expected me to show up every day and like deliver. And, well, I know like, you've told me you sure. did like 500 push-ups like every day. Yeah, like, that I mean, must have just been a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just the expectation when you start winning like that and when you start getting ranked like state and multi like getting to that level it just it becomes crushing Mm because if you show up and have a bad day they're like what happened to Ben you know what I mean so this was like an art form like I not only did I find an escape in the art but I like had this conversation very vividly with my mom I was driving home and I was kind of putting all this stuff together where I was like, one of the competitions I would go to annually was named after this guy who became a paraplegic from gymnastics. And so I was kind of starting to realize, like, I could end my career by one slip. Mm -hmm. And so I was having these, like, overwhelming thoughts of, like, performance anxiety with gymnastics. And then nothing in ballet seemed as scary as gymnastics. And so I started having this conversation with my mom, and I was like, so, like, I could be a performing artist, and, like, my career could be 10 years longer than if I was a gymnast. Like, let's say I'm a gymnast, and I go to the Olympics, and I fulfill that dream. Like, what do I get out of that? And she was like, well, sponsorships, and you could open your own gym. And I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I... Like, I want to chase after this, like, art form. So, like, I very vividly remember being, like, I want to be a ballet dancer. And that was it. Like, yeah, from that like point on. Yeah, declared it. Yeah, I, a, in that car ride, I was, like, I want to be a ballet dancer. Yeah. I was 12. And so. After doing it for a couple of years. Yeah, as well, it, it was, like, like a year and a half okay. of, like, taking classes. And, like, not being, I couldn't be as involved in it as I wanted to be because I was doing gymnastics. Like, it was my life. So, I had to, like, separate. I had to, like you know, go to my coaches and be like, I'm done. Like, I have to, I have to leave this. So, but, you know, it was the right choice for me because here I am over a decade later still dancing professionally. So, (laughs) yeah, doing it very professionally. And you guys all pretty much just find residencies and move your entire lives there. Is that normal for dancers? Uh, yeah. yeah. Basically, we go where the job is. Mm-hmm. I would say depending on what kind of work you're looking for, it really varies. Like, if you want to be on contract and say that's with, like, a more concert dance, I think, like, ballet company, um, there, it's usually for a season. Right. So a season it usually starts, like, in August or September, okay. and it goes through to, like, May or June. So that's one contracted season. Um, wow. And ballet is kind of crazy because you only really get a one-year contract which every year your contract's up up for so. renewal yeah mm-hmm. so hope, nobody has like a five-year contract not really in the u.s <laughs> in wow. europe they do okay um but not so much here they so, like to make us work for yeah it, right? <laughs> i mean a lot of times when you get into a company like we i danced for a company in rochester new york for seven seasons you know a lot of times you just you get your contract back each if, the direct, okay. if the director stays the same and if if you keep on par with the work that you've been doing once you're like two or three seasons in you pretty much you know you don't want to settle because they're always bringing younger new dancers in yeah so you you have you have you know it's like your your body is your instrument you're still working towards something every day and you can't just like get you know passive about it but uh once you've been with an organization you for a while. You can hope that you've gained a relationship with yeah, those yeah. people. But That's then there's, like, a whole other side of dance as well, where if you're doing, like, what we call gigs, like a shorter gigs. contract, um, whether it's, like, a touring job okay. or um, doing, like, more commercial work as a dancer. Sure. Or, yeah, what else, Preston? I mean, Preston does a lot Yeah, those can be shorter contracts. Yeah. yeah, like, I prefer that sort of thing because it keeps it 
are fresh and interesting, you know? There's no... I can get really complacent really easily. Sure. So this way, just... I have to bounce around. You always have to be that, like, best version of yourself every time, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask, like... Uh, I guess regardless if you're doing, like, residencies or commercial work, what does your average day look like as a dancer? Do you have, like, a routine... Do you like to get at it early? Do you have a show every night if you have that residency or a couple? Is it like acting where you have like... Depends on the job. It, yeah, okay. definitely yeah. depends on the job. I would say like routine is like our life. Mm -hmm. I would say yeah. kind of as a dancer, like just the discipline of being a dancer, like routine is in your job. Mm -hmm. So like for us, when we were dancing in the same company for a long time, like we would wake up at the same time. We would eat our giant breakfast sandwich every day, <laughs> fuel for the day, um, go to work. We take what's called class. So as a ballet dancer, everyone takes class, which is essentially your warm up. You're like tuning in on those basic um, technical skills that you need to fine tune every day. So okay. like you're always hoping to get better and warm up at the same time in class. And that's like anywhere between like hour and 15, hour, hour and, and 15, half. hour and a half. Um, that's just working start. on technique. Yeah. yeah. That's how you start your just day. like doing a slap shot over and over for an hour. <laughs> yeah. And that, okay, yeah. So yeah. that's every a ballet day. class. And there's a very specific order that a ballet class goes through. So you start at the bar. You know, you can think of like when you see a ballet studio, sure. there's bars on the wall and you'll start at the bar and you'll like start warming up your feet and do all these different exercises like plies, then tondis. So what's the bar just to relieve some of the weight and get you centered? Yes. It's so Find you can balance, basically really. move into the center and dance without holding on to something. Okay. So you're holding on to the bar so that you can like find your center okay. at the center beginning of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So after you do your bar, which is about like 30 to 45 minutes, then you move into the center and you do combinations also that are basically in a specific order. Um, Everything just progresses. It gets it bigger. It progresses, yeah. The more warm your body gets, the more you can do. Yeah. You know, so. And then that the rest of class takes about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and then... So at this point, what time is it? Okay, so it's about an hour. So we started at 9.45. Oh, okay. But I've also worked for companies where class started at 8.15, so... Yeah, any, anywhere in the morning. Yeah. Um, so an hour mm -hmm. and a half later, we would get a 15-minute break. So you're, you know, you have that moment after class, you can eat something, change your outfit, uh, you know, check your phone, <laughs> right. relax. Um, and then you have rehearsals. So then the other like four to six hours of the day is rehearsal time. And where you're specifically working on that, whatever. Show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the company, um, either like the director or the ballet master, whoever's in charge will come up with a schedule for the day. Okay. Um, and they'll determine like what pieces we're working on that day, uh, what, what dances. Um, so they'll, maybe you'll be called to this rehearsal and they need these five people. Maybe this other rehearsal is a duet and they just need two. Maybe there's a solo, maybe there's a group work. That's everyone. So it's just like a, you know, a schedule of going through all those different things that need to be done in okay. a day. I'm sure kind of like you guys, when you have brand practice or rehearse, like you have your writing session and then you're getting into looking at, okay, if a show's coming up, what order, what, how are we going to structure the show? It's like as we're moving into a performance with the end goal being the performance, we have to work. First, we have to learn the steps, you mm -hmm. know, and and you're not you sometimes it's too fast and you're not there yet just learning the steps. So there's uh -huh. just this gradual normally it takes. Well, it depends on, again, what kind of environment you're in because sometimes you're contracted to come in and learn something in two days and perform it you know so it just varies but with the structure that we've been working under with a like contracted company it would normally take about five weeks from start to performance to get everything together because they're big productions yes so everyone like learns the steps that's yeah. like goal number one and then goal number two is like okay, do we, like, remember the steps? Can we put it all together? Will people not hit each other in, like, you know, when we're going across the floor? Like, are we okay to just, like, do it as a group? Yeah, um, so the last couple of weeks is, like, working out the kinks of yeah. all of the... So I've, I've never even been to a ballet show. Is it, um, is it like, an hour and a half, two hours? Typically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then there'll be a bunch of 
three to five minute songs that are considered different pieces or do you have like a live orchestra that you're so that's on the show? yeah that's really yeah, that's a, i mean why why don't you just give him an idea of like what you did with bad boys because okay. that's like a different take on like a story ballet company. okay so this one is uh i guess wildly different from your normal ballet company um this one we would do it was a hour and a half show and um we would do it was romeo and juliet but instead of doing like your common there's you know a typical orchestra piece that they'll play for that yeah um they would do like pop culture songs so we did like lady gaga jay-z like all this stuff structured into this like hour and a half piece okay um and and throughout that we had so it's basically like like you were saying you got like three minute five minute pieces and each piece is like a part of the story that just is layered together but it's different from a typical a typical story ballet so let's say we're doing like sleeping beauty um, we have like the score of the music and different acts. They'll be broken up into different acts. Okay. Um, and then within the acts, there's like different scenes, I guess. What would you call sure. it? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and those can be any amount of time. Like maybe the core will come on and do like a huge group number number and it'll be maybe five minutes and then the principal couple will dance and that'll be a pas de deux and that'll be 15 minutes. Okay. And then, yeah. But it always ebbs and flows. It, it yeah. Always, you know, when you're storytelling... Like, you can take a classic story like Romeo and Juliet, and then, like, yeah, there's just multiple versions of the landscape behind what classical dance could be. So that's how, like, a a classical ballet would be structured. And then we have the not-classical ballet, and those are called mixed rep or repertoire shows. And those are typically, like, 20-minute pieces, and what, like... Three or four, maybe maybe with like a duet or something here and there to break it up. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so not so much short pieces of music, typically more classical. um, Five to eight minutes. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. And the nice thing, too, is that like, especially because it is art, we like to push the boundaries. Mm -hmm. So any of these rules... We mm-hmm. like to like throw them out the door. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, and of course the contemporary things that come in. Yeah, and then uh, no, it's only that. Of course, every December you gotta get into Nutcracker routine. Oh right? yeah, <laughs> the tradition. And nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And now is that always the same show? I've never even seen that. It's, it's always the same so score. It's always okay. the same score. And Tchaikovsky. Story. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and that's like an hour and a half show? Yes. Two hours? Yeah, hour two and a half, two hours. So basically, like, everyone has their idea of Nutcracker where you have the party scene and the battle scene and snow scene, and it has an order. Um, and then each company or school will have their own choreography. Okay. Um, so a take on all of those different sections. And so, so they do vary a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and... Uh, I think it was probably in, like, uh, 2002 that the artistic director decided that he was going to make his own version of the Nutcracker for Pittsburgh. So, like, the second act of Nutcracker normally takes place, it's called, like, the Land of the Sweets. So it's, like, diversements. It's, like, different characters represent different, like, hot chocolate is, like, Spanish or, like, Chinese tea. So, like, each diversement has, like, a different kind of representation. Oh, okay. Um, And so... His version of the Nutcracker incorporated, like in the party scene, which normally plays it t- normally takes place in like a wealthier family's home, and everyone's coming for like a Christmas party. So it took place in the uh, like you know the stall bombs, which is like a Pittsburgh. Like oh, so, so it's they, to Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah, he themed it towards, and the second act in the background is like a roller coaster which is supposed to be like Kennywood Park you know there's a old theme park in Pittsburgh so like he took references like the pirate parrot like the pirates the baseball team has their mascots the parrot so you see that in the battle scene like he made he tailored it towards so like a lot of the big ballet companies like to like take their nutcracker and tailor it towards their city to make it you know more of like you know big fan base yeah but does it get annoying every year doing all that? Uh, I mean, the music. The, like, oh, the music is? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, you walk in the mall, and it's like, everywhere. you can't, you you see holiday, like, car ads. Oh, it's like, you hear it everywhere. You can't escape it. I would say I'm fairly numb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The weird, I think the weird thing is, with Nutcracker, is I have mixed feelings about it right now, because last year was the first time since I was, like, 
11 years old that I didn't get to do a Nutcracker. Yeah, this is oh, so, like, so, you, yeah. you asking me that, normally I would roll my eyes and immediately be like, yeah. it's the bane of my existence, but yeah, because I've had, like, so a year to, like, set it aside and, like, not participate... Maybe you, next you year I'll be like more gung ho. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Almost. And like I, I feel like as um, boring as it might get to do it every year, it's also kind of the thing that people relate. Yeah. The, the normal public Absolutely. relates it's to super ballet. It's rewarding. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like what other show is it like every night sold out? Like you get grandmas and little kids yeah. who are just like loving it all at the same time. Um, yeah, it just it's makes the people time, happy. Yeah, it's like the time of the season for people to appreciate ballet yeah. or get their ballet Thanks. on. For, yeah, yeah. I, I had a board member, uh, you know, I danced with an organization, well, several, but I danced with one particular organization for like almost a decade. And I had a board member who had watched me um, from the time I was like 19 years old. So they saw me do Nutcracker every year for over a decade. And they finally came up to me one year and asked me, so, like, are you tired of it? Are you, like, done with this? Does it just make you sick? And my answer to them was, I can't be because I know that this is the first time someone will see ballet. Like, that's normally, I said, it's like a gateway drug, right? So, like, the first sure. ballet I ever saw was Nutcracker. And mm -hmm. I saw a kid on the stage, and I went... I want to do that. Like, I want to know what that's about. Sure. So I, every time that I would go to do it, especially within the, the like last 10 year ish mark, I was like, this is going to be someone's first time. So I want them to have the experience that I had because I want to open that door for more people to realize that this is an art form that you can chase after and make your career. So I just kept that in the back of my mind. Like no matter how old it gets or how many times I've done that step or that role, it's someone's first time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an important message for every artist, especially, you know, the, the lucky success of having a hit in music, for instance, or any art where it's like, yeah, that might've been your easiest piece. This comes up a lot on the podcast is like, sometimes the thing that took you the least time or the thing you're least excited about, because it just seems like something easy, like the middle by Jimmy Eat world. It's like, mm -hmm. they didn't even want that song on the record, but it was like, no, trust me, put that on there because it's mm -hmm. going to inspire people and it's going to get people excited. And if, if they don't want to play that 15 years down the road or when Radiohead has to play Creep, I know, they I was just, just going to bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> like they didn't for a while, which is fine, but they're back to doing it because I think they kind of they kind of realize like, wait a second, we're making people smile when we do this. Mm -hmm. And and if it's going to make a kid in the audience want to start playing guitar again, then we kind of have an obligation to play this song for five, five minutes. Broadens your reach, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the whole thing about it is accessibility. And I think that, like, ballet, well, it's going through a lot of things right now, but I think ballet gets a bad rep for not being accessible, which I don't think it is as accessible as it should be. Sure. But I think it's something that's definitely turning around. Uh, like, in Rochester, we did one of those mixed rep shows like we were talking about, and one of the pieces that our director at the time had choreographed was It's to All Bowie, all David Bowie stuff, and it was the year nice. that he passed away. Oh, wow. Um, so for us, as dancers that had been working on this, it felt, like, super impactful and super powerful, and I think we all really enjoyed learning a lot about his music and his art, and people loved it. I mean, it's not just you know, tutus and tiaras, I guess. It's like, we do other works that make it that much more impactful. Yeah, so maybe if they come see Nutcracker, they're like, hey, what's this company now? And then they, you know, see something like David Bowie and yeah. will yeah. come back. Yeah, it's like, you know, like the Mona Lisa will get you into the museum, but yeah. there's all this other artwork there to look, all this cool stuff that uh, may yeah. not be classic. And that's what Nutcracker, I guess, is for yeah. a lot of people. I kind of have a different take, too. As I got... I'm older as, as I was with the company longer I actually really loved and appreciated revisiting choreography that I already knew mm -hmm. because I no longer had to think right. and so what happened is that I would go on stage and it was just like pure expression and artistry which is like all, like as a dancer that's just what you strive for like if I no longer have to think about the steps like they're so in my body like mm -hmm. that's what I loved so it was like I got to see each year because I did like the same role like I've seven years in a row <laughs> I got to like see each year like how I had grown 
So that was actually like I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel that way about really old songs. It's like yeah. when I finally, uh, if, if I'm in a good mood about it, then I'm thinking like that. I'm like, wow, this is so easy to me. I'm going to win the audience over with how easy this is, mm-hmm. too, is kind of how I'm thinking about it. And like anything that looks or seems easy is usually what is really appealing. Where if mm-hmm. you're like in your head, like, oh, I hope I don't mess this up or. Yeah, yeah the audience knows. The audience um, knows. They know everything. Like yeah. they might not be able to put their finger on it, but you know when the audience, like as you know, having been a, it's like live performance, you know, you're waiting for the moment where like, Oh, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> like, if, but if you, you know that they know. Yeah. Though, you're nervous. The audience is yeah, nervous. You feel so, the like, energy. Yeah. yeah. For so sure. for Nutcracker, you're like almost always like, I got this, you yeah, know, which is great. Ease. Yeah. It's more of like a less performance. Or at least my yeah, specific. Definitely. Yeah. I was going to say not always. Not always, <laughs> but my specific, you know, so time as, with Nutcracker. As, as little as I know about, Ballet, as you change the um, accent, I say ballet. You say ballet. That's something new I learned. <laughs> yeah, someone, yes. Some people pick up on that. Yeah. I don't know. So uh, I, that might be the French Maybe. side of it. I okay. think if you've been in ballet long enough, you say ballet. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's how you it. know this yeah, person. Exactly. This person's acting like they know ballet, but well, they're saying ballet. It's so funny that you said that because, like, one of, yeah, one of my best friends in college, he also has a podcast, and you literally mentioned to me in this part of his podcast where he was saying like, "Oh no, Kelly Moeller." taught me that I have to say ballet not ballet <laughs> okay wow. I mean it's good because it sounds like you're cheering it on yeah, yeah that's true yeah. ballet <laughs> hey. I can't I even mean, say it's, it it's you're excited about it so that sounds ballet, good right yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah um but I can't remember the guy's name uh really old famous probably you know the Wayne Gretzky of ballet For sure. nice um, yeah yeah um he uh has really mangled feet. And I don't know if that's still a thing where it sounds like you guys go at this for insane hours of the day. Is there any like improvements to the shoes you wear or anything that protect you from that? Or are your guys' so feet getting point mangled? shoes are probably <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. When people think of like horrible ballerina feet. All right, we're good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like the typical like person's idea of like a ballerina foot is because they're on point so you're wearing a specific shoe which allows you to go up on your toes so it's called a point shoe okay um and it's literally like paper mache like lots of layers and layers and layers of glue and paper basically fabric i don't know and it uh creates a hard surface on the top of your shoe so that you can balance on your toes so i mean when you're wearing those for hours daily i mean yeah you're gonna get blisters you're gonna get you know the rubbing you're gonna get some girls' feet are like gnarly. Yeah, like I, all the time. calluses. You build calluses. You find out what works for you. Um, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with like what you put inside your shoe. Like a, a lot of women wear toe pads, so it's kind of think of like a cushy sock that goes from like your knuckles down to your toe. So okay. like just from yeah, like your big toe knuckles all the way across down to your nails um and so that helps protect you and then the front of it is like really soft mm. <laughs> it's not that soft i mean your whole body weight's still directly yeah. on yeah i mean the shoes like here but your whole body weight is being held up by like your ankle and you're like it's you're really like, about strength it's about using your muscles correctly and being strong enough to hold yourself up oh so if you like Keep your ankles strong. Yeah, strong and, ankles, and strong calves, strong everything. Honestly, then your feet don't suffer as much. Correct. Exactly. Like, like if you're if you're sitting onto your foot, like you're putting a bunch of weight. But if you were to like use your muscles to lift up, it makes this pressure a little bit less. And so right. that pressure, yes. yeah, still a lot of pressure. Yeah, but. but. There and has also, been as some, a, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, there, there has been like how you're saying if there's been any improvements in the shoes and stuff. There has been some improvements in like toe pads. They now have like special molds. I use those. Uh, yeah, those perfect, are, perfect yeah. fit. Yeah, I was gonna say, are we gonna get a sponsorship? Yeah, sponsor me. I love you, perfect fit. <laughs> perfect fit. Um, they're they're really cool. They give you this like play doh, and it's heat activated, and so you rub it in your hands and you put it together into a ball, and then you put it on your toes so what the part of your foot that would go in the front of the shoe right where where you'll be on your toes and it molds so it creates this like cast Hmm. essentially
essentially of yeah. like this play-doh-y stuff and it hardens um and so and then it has like a sock fabric thing that goes around that okay so that you can put it take it on and take it off um so you put it in when you wear your point shoes and then you just take it off and does it mess up your balance at all no it, it's actually, amazing it actually improves it it's so uh, so typically like what a dancer would do if you had like say you have a blister on your the top of your big toe typically you would put like a cushion there but what this does is it like fills the negative space it in your shoe your weight evenly so it distributes evenly. the weight evenly throughout the box of your shoe so that you no longer get pressure in one spot okay. because the weight is so distributed I don't know something like that. That's like a that's like a talking shop question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, again, you just want to like that because <laughs> we're all like, yeah. That's no, exactly but like the moment does, I put them on, I like started doing things that I I didn't realize how much I would like not do because my feet hurt. Sure. So then I put these on and I was like, oh my gosh, like I can just start doing fuetes like constantly and I'm in no pain. Fuetes are like when you're turning around on one foot. When you think of like a ballerina doing lots of turns. Jewelry box yeah. ballerina. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, I mean, you guys are on vacation right now, obviously not yeah. doing your classes. Yeah. So when you get back, are you more likely to get a blister now? Because you have it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, my feet look, like, pretty for the first time in my life because of COVID. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Um, but, I mean, hopefully I'm still strong and hopefully, like, calluses come back. You so. just got to ease, ease your way into it, I yeah. guess. Yeah. They say it takes twice the amount of time of how you've taken, how much you've taken off mm -hmm. to get back into, like, the shape you used sure. to be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, ballet, yeah. I will, yeah, we had a teacher, because we met in uh, Miami, we were doing a summer intensive program together when we were students and that's how me and Preston met oh cool um and one I think one of our teachers said for every day because you know when you're a kid and you're just goofing off sometimes you're like I don't want to go in it's six weeks in Miami like just suck it up and go in yeah <laughs> uh but he if anyone missed he'd be like for every day you take off it's going to take two days to gain back what you lost so like you quantify that but at the same time it's like in high school I think I hit that 10,000 hour mark before, you know, I got a job. So I was like easily doing 30 hours a week at 17. Wow. So, you know, oh, that's great. It oh. quantifies. <laughs> you have to be like super dedicated, but at the same time, you know, you let one day go and. Right. You got to yeah, brush off that rust that grows pretty quick. Yeah. I, I find it as I get older, the rust grows quicker <laughs> yeah that's yeah, definitely true, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know this this year has been eye-opening for sure yeah i was gonna ask i know everyone's getting sick of hearing the pan hearing about mm -hmm. the pandemic and talking about it but what was it like for you guys with all the shows shutting down i guess no residencies <sighs> for the year yeah. pretty much I, yeah it's you know you we're all like mourning the loss of an industry mm -hmm. at the same time as the you know, mourning the loss of loved ones and all that, everybody else, everything else that was going on. It was just mm -hmm. a lot. I, I would get mad um, a lot because I was just tired of hearing about, oh, the restaurant industry. And, you know, I have a lot of friends in other industries for sure. sure and I value that. But I was just like, if you're talking about restaurants, like just imagine what we're going through as performing artists. Like we can't even get in a venue, let alone, I can't have room to practice. Like, my body is my art and my tool and I can't even keep, it's like, it's like having a baby grand piano and not knowing how to tune it. Like you, you need, like I need space to hone my art. I can't just like, we were stuck in an apartment in New York yeah. for eight weeks oh, wow. and expected to try to keep in some so kind we of shape. zoomed for eight weeks. So we were dancing in our bedroom together <laughs> on and the third like, floor of an apartment. Yeah. It's like, what do you really expect me to do? You know, so it's just like, it was, uh, and like having that taken, like, you, like I said earlier, it's like I was 12 years old when I was like, I want to be a ballet dancer. So to have that stripped away from me so suddenly, it was very exposing to the fact that like, I was like, I always used to say I treat myself as a human and like first and then as a dancer. But I realized very quickly that I had that mixed up because yeah. I found that I had a loss of identity without my art. And yeah. so, you know, I struggled through that this year for sure. Um, I don't know, I'm sure I, yeah, we were talking so. at lunch today and I, I think 
Preston was saying, he's not quite through the struggle yet. Just like trying to figure out like what does the alternative look like or what is the other side? Kind yeah, of? well, not only the alternative, but like um, the performing live is really all you guys mm-hmm. have. I mean, as a, as a musician, we can live stream, we can make a record. Um, is there any other form? Do you guys make like video? So, yeah, so digital work became really popular. Okay. Um, and be- companies were like scrambling to figure out like, how do we do this? You know, whether it's performing a show on a stage or maybe just creating like a dance video, like, oh, maybe we'll just go into this new space. It would say it's outside and we'll just film it and they'll be dancing. Okay. Um, I think it, it was like a side of the dance world that we've never really experienced before. Yeah. Like everyone suddenly had to turn into yeah. videographers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. But it was weird though because it's not like, like I guess more with the music industry, how like you guys perform live but you also do music videos where yeah. we... Like, at least in this kind of ballet world, like music that like that video aspect that the audience didn't have necessarily like the taste for it, mm-hmm. you know, like sure. they want to see the music music videos and they want to see you guys perform live. But for us to perform on a video, the audience was like, do we want to pay for this? Yeah. Well, is it uh, worth our time? I guess this leads me to another thing. Is there a TikTok ballet hashtag? <laughs> Uh, is there a oh, TikTok yeah, world? Is there a ballet like, world on TikTok? I feel like oh yeah, for sure. There there are there are influencers. There are ballet influencers Guaranteed. out there. Yeah, they're sure. out there and they're going hard. Uh, I and think they make I guess it work cool for them. Yeah, yeah. they make it work yeah. cool for them. I think you're just asking the wrong group of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. fair enough. Same. Like because yeah. like we're just none of us are basically on social media. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I have an Instagram. You have an Instagram. I do technically. Yeah, but you don't use it. Uh, <laughs> and also in this form of art do you feel the need to um keep up with your social media or build a following and does that help you get more gigs or bigger gigs or is that irrelevant i've had jobs turn me down because i don't have a big enough following really despite of any resume or talent any of these things if i I didn't have a big enough following they were like "Mm, we don't want to work with you yeah see i think on the east coast it's different for us especially because we've just been in concert dance whereas like the organizations we work for do that for us so like we can have our own personal accounts and we can share what we want of it but the organizations that we've worked for kind of do that have their own have social their media. Own. Yeah. yeah. So and it's they, like so because you're, if you're part of like a big agency that they, they create their own content and oh, okay. So like you know I don't feel like I need to. Yeah. Again, I think like we're not the best people to talk about. Well, there's it. no like, <laughs> th- there's not as much personal clout needed in yeah, no. in gaining um, a job. But you're saying there is out here. Yes. It, well, it, just on the jobs more, I do. I okay. guess they like sure commercial jobs. Yeah, and there'll be ones where like literally when you like fill out the application, they'll ask for your handle. Like oh that's on it. Like oh, you yeah. put your name, your height, your weight, handle. And yeah, like, yeah. No, that's everywhere for my girlfriend does oh, a really? lot of acting gigs and they want all of that. Yeah. And a lot of it is that's why she's trying to get a bigger following is because a lot of it is they want to see if you have an established following and people are gonna be excited to see your face. If Absolutely. if you're in the millions of followers, then you can charge a higher premium and Absolutely. you'll get more gigs and music the same, like everything we sign up for, um, any, you know, endorsements you want to get, they want to see your, mm-hmm. your handles because yeah. that's clout is everything. Yeah. It revolves around the numbers, right? You're exactly. You're yeah. free promo for them basically, you know? Mm-hmm. So, which makes sense. I get it, but I don't agree with it, but I get it. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. That's, the, think- that's the fine line between like, you know, I think a lot of artists have a hard time rapping. Even people that are massively successful have a hard time wrapping their heads around at what point does it feel like, uh, what's motivating me, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, no, that's... that's that can get very complicated very quickly. Yeah, that's, that's where my mind goes is like 90% of the time I'm thinking I just want to do this for the reason why I fell in love with it and... Mm-hmm just make great music and perform great shows and that's all that should matter like the music will speak for itself the song is all that matters Mm -hmm. but then uh there's 10 percent of me that thinks well no one's going to hear that great song if i don't take care of this social media and it gets really stressful and and that's where um yeah you could suddenly flip that 90 10 and become 90 percent in it for the clout and then you know 
for me, if I were if I were to take that on, I would just get fed up and not want to do it. I mean, I get that way about this podcast. Like, why am I even doing this for, so that people care about my music, or do I like the conversation? Training so, wheels. Remember, we're just teaching ourselves how to <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. post COVID conversations here. Yeah, <laughs> getting better at it, but like at the same time, while I'm editing it for nine hours, You're I'm thinking educating people. Yeah, yeah I, that's you know back to you know is this something that's like simple and I feel it's it's below me. I should be working on my music and I should be like finishing this song that is so great um, a, a part of me is like well how are people gonna even be inspired to start writing that song of their own let alone hear the song that you wrote so I mean mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going off on a that tangent comes, now but, but that's like coming back to the Nutcracker thing it's yeah. exactly what we were saying you know it has this vicious cycle of like um, you get to the point where I mean we're lucky enough where we're it's kind of like getting signed to a label. You know, we're lucky enough where we're, as an independent artist, I wouldn't get very far without someone believing in the art that I do and then wanting me to do it for their organization. Right. You know, having that contract, um, even though it's only, you know, a year at a time or 30 weeks or 40 weeks, um, I'm still good, bad, or ugly. They're paying me to be there. You know what I mean? Like, and yep. that's, that's the thing where sometimes it's my choice, like, I, we don't get to choose what we're dancing. Someone tells us what we're dancing. You know what I mean? And so you have to find the beauty in that too. Yeah, and, and that's that's a good point of you know getting signed. That was that was Noah's next question on here. Only around one percent of musicians sign record deals, um, and I would say that's even um, generous now. Nowadays, a lot of musicians choose not to sign record mm-hmm. deals because they feel like they're getting screwed over. Um, but you know, the the whole argument there is like, well. If you're not good at social media, if you're not good at doing the, all the groundwork, being everything, then you kind of need that label to, to mm-hmm. cover your press costs and, and uh, get your name out there for you. Um, so I feel like um, maybe dance has that sort of uh, label mentality still, or do you think it's I, fading because of social media? Oh, kind of going off of that like I think there's almost two different ways to look at it when you're in a company you kind of no longer have to promote like the self right you know because you're part of the company you're part of the team whereas like Preston is a freelance dancer okay so in order to become part of that gig you have to promote yourself and how are you going to do that and maybe social media helps you right Um, but like when we're in a company we don't have to rely on that because we can promote the company and like help with make content for them but I don't sure know. so you guys are more going after the contract and then holding in on yeah. well and the, I mean then the funny thing is there's stability in signing a contract with a company for sure but like I said you can get dropped after one year right <laughs> and you could be with a company for nine years and then they could be like well that was enough thank you and then you have lost out on all this time where he's been creating relationships over a decade and so Brilliant. maybe something mm-hmm. falls through the fence but somebody else is going to pick him up to do this because now he's available so oh that's what friends are for right yeah you know they work hand hand in hand and i you know i think um i think in a certain way dance can kind of get a vicious reputation like you know everyone knows black swan and everyone you know all these crazy ideas of like what ballet dancers are like but i think when you've been in the industry long enough because it's such a small industry if you surround yourself with people that are like-minded or treat you the way you treat them, people always help each other out finding gigs. Or like if I had, like I've gone to auditions in Nashville and in Canada and I've always had someone put me up on a couch and like, you know, Mm -hmm. Or, like, put my resume in front of their director. Like, you I'd know. be like, hey, I heard this company's looking for a male dancer. Like, yeah, I know the stuff. perfect person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't have a big social following, but I still, like, network in general. Like, the old school networking, I Yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you know people who know people. And, yeah. and, and it's like, I never really promote myself of, like, I'm looking for work, hire me. But it's more just like... I'm just going to remind you that I'm a cool person and hopefully you're cool and then maybe something will happen. That's the way you do it. Yeah. And it's, it works at least for me. 
you know, that, that kind of mentality where versus like the self promotion mm-hmm. thing. Sure. Which works for others. No, just not me. Do you find there, uh, do you use any websites or any like, uh, do you go like searching for auditions or anything like that? I'm like the weird dancer. I've never booked a gig off on audition. Okay. Um, it's literally through word of mouth for me. Wow. Yeah. Like someone will say something and I'll send a resume, but that's about it. Maybe yeah. an old demo. A lot of friends. Yeah. A lot of friends. So it's all just connections. Yeah. Small industry. Yeah. That's Work, great. Others definitely auditions all day. Like that's how their latest job they've got. They auditioned through Zoom and through stuff Zoom. Like that. Through yeah. Zoom. In the apartment? No, not in the apartment. Well, I guess. Yeah. In our yeah. in our second apartment. <laughs> in the next apartment. Yeah, we did Zoom in our apartment. Yeah, most uh that this gig we kinda got I mean, I did do a Zoom like ballet audition where I was I was in a studio and they gave me the class and, and I, he danced yeah and I danced but this company uh, that hired us most recently we basically just sent them a reel of our stage performances so I put together it's like yeah I mean you have to have a yeah, reel your of your material really like what you've done over like you know hopefully it's the last two years because they don't want to see anything older than that okay um, so it's like Footage from performances. Like, max five minutes. Yeah. Just, like, everything. Yeah. Short clips. Yeah, short clips. So, they they saw all that stuff, and then they interviewed us each individually on Zoom, and then together. Um, so, it was a... But it was, like, you know, like a two, two-and-a-half-month process of, like, talking through all of this before they were, like, we want to offer you something. So... Sweet. Normally, that's a long time for ballet. Normally, we, it happens quicker than yeah. that. But yeah, I think COVID's kind of you know, slow right now. Everything. Yeah, that's yeah. an unusual process. We yeah. signed our I've contracts last week. I've never experienced... Well, yeah. congrats. Thank yeah. you. So, it's Rhode Island now. Newport, Rhode Island. Yes. For the next year? Yep. 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 Nice. Yeah. Yep. But they so do they, have a tour coming to San Diego in summer of 22. Oh, so. there we go. <laughs> oh, so sometimes those contracts will take you out on tour? Yeah. <laughs> they have a tour okay. next, this coming year. They're touring to Italy. We are touring to Italy. Nice. And uh, to San Diego in summer of 22. That's yeah. exciting. But typically in a non-COVID year, um, you would either go to an audition and it, there's a lot of different types there's like a cattle call where there's like 500 people and say they're just like the audition is in new york city come so then you have to fly there okay audition in this class with like 500 people maybe there's cuts or whatever pay yeah. sometimes too for the audition yeah. Oh, really? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you're paying bucks uh, yeah, <laughs> keep you for class typically. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So what I talked about earlier, like yeah, the that's, hour and a half. That's thing. how they justify it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like you're paying for class, uh, <laughs> and then maybe get an email, like you know, a couple weeks later. <laughs> I uh, yeah, here's a good story. And I, I one time I flew down to Atlanta. Uh, it was probably twenty seventeen, maybe. Anyways, I flew down there. And, uh, you know, because they posted we're host, uh, having an audition and there were like 700 people that showed up for this audition. How many make it? Well, so they have like five studios and uh, so they have each studio packed probably with at least 150 people in it. And the artistic director walked from each studio, one to the next to the next before the classes started. And he got to, I was in the last studio. He came in and said, I want to thank you all so much for coming to the audition today. Uh, I really hope you enjoy the class. We're not hiring. <laughs> they all flew there for nothing. I've been to an audition where they did that yep. too. Did in, you have to pay for York. the class too? Yeah. Or yep. it's just the... F- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Welcome man. to the industry. <laughs> but I mean, typically wow. they're looking for probably But one I mean, spot. yeah, maybe they're trying to hire one person. Yeah. Wow. Um, a different version is where you submit your material. So what we were talking about, like your dance reel, like your headshot, resume, all that, um, like in an email. You normally and, have to be an established. And like, then they'll invite you to that place to come take class. Okay. That's like a typical with way to do company. it as well with the company to yeah. see if you fit so in. So it's more like, that's a private, like your audition. more like a private audition. Yeah. Okay. Um, kind of like an invite only kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, which obviously that's at this point I haven't gone to like one of those cattle call auditions. 
I just don't I don't do that anymore but I was going to say maybe that's a great way to network if there's 700 nice. people there yeah. you might find five that people all looking for your job yeah, yeah. I guess so. it's like everyone <laughs> and then as you get up in the industry and you meet more people and you work more jobs like Ben just got cold called by yeah. a company that offered him a, jo- a job on his birthday yeah and he was like I've, how did how yeah. <laughs> you know so it's yeah. it is networking as yeah. well yeah is there ever any like scam cold calls like hey we have this big opportunity <laughs> if you show up yeah. maybe more emails but no yeah <laughs> It depends on what you're looking for in an organization. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I guess some of them just end up, you learn down the road that they were a scam all along, or... Yeah, I, it just depends on what level of uh, professionalism. Well, you know, it's just, it's difficult, because as non-for-profit organizations, every everyone ha- has their, like, there are great jobs, and there are good jobs, and there are jobs that are, you know, it's like you make ends meet. And so, like, you have to find what's going to work for you, you know. And But, like, everywhere, even the best job I had, the best contract I ever had, I could have found, you know, five things wrong with it. You know, mm-hmm. you're sure. always looking. So, it's, it's you know, it's all within perspective, I guess. Yeah, just, just balancing your options. Yeah, and just, like, how committed uh, you are and how how the organization treats you, I guess. And it's hard because it's not like, like a normal job because like we're, you know, we're wearing limited clothing because you know, you're athletic. So you have to see your body. You're touching people that you like to lift them. Like I would have to like most jobs, like I could meet her right now and then have to lift her up. Mm -hmm. And that's just how it is. So you like, you may like meet the person initially, like the job wise, but it really doesn't matter to you get in this like super intimate setting mm-hmm. and, and really get to know the, like the nitty gritty thing. Yeah, there kind of has to be a crazy amount of trust regardless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Yeah. So it's like the normal things that you may ask a job, like they're thrown out the window yeah. five minutes in, mm-hmm. you know? Interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a really odd dynamic, you know? Wow. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a ton of, uh, like respect that you have to bring into the, the field like professional yeah it's yeah. just yeah it's just like this this knowledge that this person is giving you this trust and you're gonna have to especially when it comes to partnering like me and Preston we were out at lunch today and we were talking about like the act of partnering because like as a male ballet dancer you're training in a school and it's not necessarily like they aren't like when you become a professional, 90% of your job is going to be lifting a girl up and putting her down. So partnering is when you're dancing with someone else. So it's sure. like, but that's like, I, what I've realized in my career is 90% of my job is basically picking someone up and putting them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's other technical things that go into it, but when I'm training in school, they're training you in your ballet technique. And I mean, I got great partnering training, but you know, it's just not something that is like they tell you. When you're yeah. a male ballet dancer, most of the time you're, just you're dancing behind someone, and your job is to make them look good. Them like up, that's yeah. that's uh, like a guy on the cheerleading team. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows he's just lifting people all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your face has to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> when my when Ben met my grandma for the first time, he told her that he picks up women for a living. <laughs> <laughs> she she liked that one. She loved that. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Well, I learned a lot. Thank you guys for coming in here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My pleasure. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, an hour goes by quick. Wow. It's the editing that uh, also goes by quick, but before you know it, it's like eight hours in. Yeah. Yeah. I like to keep them short, but this was a good one. This was a good one. I, uh, I never thought I would have dancers on my show. I mean, I went to an art high school and, uh, I was never even in the dancing corner of the school. I was always in the music, and I went for drama, but I was I was in drama and music, so I never really knew what was going on over there. But we're gonna have to get you tickets to a show. Yeah, yeah I would love to come to a show. Preston, hook him up. All right. Yeah. yeah. When you guys come to San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. For we're sure. All gonna definitely definitely come out. out. Yeah. That's that's. What's the show called? Are you even allowed to announce that yet? Um, I think I I don't know who they're partnering with, but it'll, like it'll be through a festival, right? So right now the company is in Seattle, um, on tour with it's a the Seattle Dance Festival. Okay, um, and in Newport they 
uh, host the Newport Dance Festival. So if you've heard of Newport Jazz Festival, Newport Folk Festival, it's like, you know, big arts communities, they try to host companies and dance organizations from all over. So it's just a big dance festival. So we'll have to look up what, what yeah. specific the, program the spe- we're okay, going to okay. be a part of. Yeah. So even when it goes to Italy, it's under Newport Dance Festival. Yeah, the company's... Uh, no, well, go ahead. Yeah, the company's called Island Moving Company. Island Moving yeah, Company. I am Island Moving Company. So, yeah. Sweet. So then they'll tour that entity, and then we'll bring a show uh, for the festival here in San Diego, I guess. So, yeah. Sweet. And Preston, when can we see you, or what do you have? No idea. Up? Really? <laughs> yeah, literally. We're working nothing. on it. Yeah, working on it. I... Like, well, what's your social media anyway? We can check that out. Right? Yeah, yeah, but it's just my name. It's Preston Swollen, at least on Instagram. So. At Preston Swollen. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, nice and simple. All, All right. right, I'll put it in, the, in the description as well. Cool. Everybody's sounds good. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Thanks. Sweet. Thank you, guys. That's a wrap. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Ben and Kelly Rabe and Preston Swolvelin. Those are professionals right there. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, That was really cool. I learned a lot from that. I hope you guys did too. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, click like, follow on Instagram. Be sure to follow Preston and Kelly and Ben on Instagram as well. And you can visit Preston's website. That's pswove.com. And congrats to Ben and Kelly Rabe for signing with Island Moving Company. So check out islandmovingco.org. I'll leave all those links in the description as well. So you can check out when they are performing in Rhode Island and all over the place, all over the world. Um, So thanks again for being on the show, guys. Thank you for checking out this episode. And I'll see you next week for another episode of State of My Art Podcast.